0: Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of the Redheaded Preacher podcast for Sunday, April 11th, 2021. I am the Red-Headed Preacher. My name is Richard Lanford. I'm the pastor of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie, Illinois. The sermon is called, Of Jesus' Scars and Peace, meaning of Jesus' Scars and Jesus' Peace. And you'll hear the scriptures read, uh, by Karen Christensen. They're from the Gospel of According to John and the first epistle of John. The um, What I did for putting this together is r- write down some of the things that are going on. Um, and a lot of the things that are going on, either macro or micro, in people's lives, a lot of them seem to touch on desire or a need for peace and so that helped me pick my theme out of the readings and thinkings that i had done and so i'm hopeful that um, if you are one looking for a powerful peace that this uh, message will be meaningful to you Uh, before we go into the service itself please join me in the spirit of prayer Merciful and glorious God, we continue to rejoice that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and death does not have the last word and neither do all the things that put Jesus on the cross in the tomb. For ultimately, your love and power triumph and will triumph. Grateful for this hope and more than hope, We come into this time of listening slash worship and ask your blessing that the power of resurrection peace and love and power will be communicated to us for the living of our days, especially this week and maybe even this very day we're listening. In Christ's name we pray, amen. And now let's go to our scripture readings and then the sermon.
1: Our first reading is from the first letter of John, chapter 1, verse 1 through the second verse of chapter 2. In beautiful and profound language, John speaks of his personal experience, the right attitude towards sin, and about obedience. We declare to you, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, and what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This life was revealed, and we have seen it and testified to it, and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. We declare to you what we have seen and heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. This ends the reading from First John. Our gospel passage today, often heard the first Sunday after Easter, is from the Gospel of John. This is chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. It is still the day of resurrection in this passage, and after having met Mary Magdalene in the cemetery garden, Jesus now catches up with his disciples. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen, and yet come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name.
0: Here ends the reading from John and
1: our scriptures for today's service. May God grant us a wise and joyful understanding of this, the word of God for the people of God.
0: Do you have any scars? There are visible ones, I mean. Maybe they're from a surgery. The only one I think I have or had uh, is from when I had hernia surgery when I was 18 months old. You may have several from various things that happen to you. Most people who have them do not like scars. Desire, there is a desire to hide them or cover them up. I know some people love to show theirs, and some people don't care. But scars do remind us of past hurts. Now, there is a difference between a scar and a wound. But a wound still hurts. A wound may still be open and oozing blood. A wound needs to be tended to, bandaged, sutured patched up, stitched up, cleaned. A wound on our body or inside us needs to be healed. Scars, on the other hand, are the residue left when the wound has healed. They do not hurt anymore, but they let us know where we have been hurt. Scars should largely be left alone, too, where the wound has closed up. The more we nurse our scars, especially when they're on fire, especially when they're fresh, the greater tendency we have to create new wounds. A scar does not need to be healed. It's the mark where healing took place. Our scars should be a badge of honor to show what we've been through, given the circumstances. So someone will know what we've been through, that we've made it. And were healed at least on the corporeal side in our gospel reading you and I run into some scars the crucifixion took a tremendous toll on Jesus and on the community that formed around him physically Jesus body would not withstand the torture that he endured for the disciples The events of the Passion startled, stunned, and scattered them. They would find their way back to one another, mirroring their gathering for that final meal to gathering in fear for their lives. They went from the highs of the celebrative, hopeful entry with the palms through the humble holiness of the Last Supper to the devastating arrest and crucifixion to the incredulous hope of the earlier report from Magdalene of the resurrection. Their scars were internal. In fact, they were probably still wounded, bleeding inside, hurting inside. What soul healing could have taken place in just a few days? Spiritual scars had not yet had time to form. For Jesus, though, Since the story implies his scars, his must have begun to form, especially in time to show them to Thomas. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Now that last sentence, they rejoiced when they saw the Lord, it indicates that they were not joyful exactly until he showed them his pierced hands and side. They needed to see them in order to really start to receive his greeting of shalom. And they then they did rejoice. Now it has been pointed out that given what Jesus had experienced, being abandoned by all who had promised undying loyalty, being denied, being left almost alone at his cross, it might be understandable if he had come to them with some words of reproach or disappointment instead of his much kinder greeting. Frederick Dale Bruner put it, there is no preliminary reminder of the disciples' failure to support him in his crisis. No call for repentance or even for faith. There is sheer grace. We sure get the picture when he comes up mysteriously to be among them and says, peace be with you. Or as Bruner translates it, Peace be yours. Believe me, I have no doubt, sorry Thomas, that peace is what they really needed. And then Jesus showed them his scars when they really came to believe it was him. The very same man who was crucified is the same one who was raised and has come to them. Jesus responded by saying a second time, Peace be with you. Then he went on to talk mission to them, to talk about being them sent out with the good news just as Jesus the Son had been sent. He came in grace, spoke peace, showed his scars, and upon their ecstatic faith, blessed them with his peace yet again. We know that a third time in this reading he said, Shalom, when he met them a week later with Thomas present. This is the wounded, crucified, scarred Jesus who brings peace. Not just any old Shalom, nor is this wishful thinking or an empty hope This is the brutally executed, scarred, and risen one talking to his friends in need of their own healing who speaks peace. After what he has been through, if he can still speak and bring and pronounce and be peace, then it is deep, genuine article, peace indeed. It is a scarred and resurrected with the scars Christ who not only came in grace, who not only later invited Thomas to feel them, it is this one who says, brings and is peace. You, I, and our church members and friends, family and others around the world need that peace. Thank God It is not a three-time gift locked away in John chapter 20. I believe that because this greeting is in this passage three times, John means for this to be one of the blessings that he wants to get across to us and to the church. The peace of Christ be with you. Thinking about some of what we've heard, We may never say that so quickly or uncomfortably again. So what makes up this peace other than the very presence of Christ himself? To borrow from Frederick Bruner once again, he says, the risen Lord's initial gift to his assembled disciples is his peace, which means his love, his forgiveness, his favor, and his blessing. He went on to say that the single most peace-giving fact in life after the forgiveness of sins is reality, truth. When Jesus gives his disciples his crucified hands and scarred side, he is saying to them, I want to give you the reason for the peace I am speaking a reason for peace that is deeper than a wish or words, truth. The crucified Jesus is really alive again. God wins out over death, corruption, fear, jealousy, violence, betrayal, denial, and all that put him on Calvary's cross and in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. Christ died And Christ has risen, able to speak and be peace with scars. As we heard Karen read from the epistle, for sinners who come to God, there is an advocate who atoned for our sins. And this advocate, this scarred one, is alive in power to bestow the benefits of what happened on Calvary's cross the benefits of resurrection. This alone can bring lasting peace to you and me, our churches, our anxiously ill patients and persons in hospice, addicts seeking recovery, and persons with wounds still open and sore. As United Church of Christ pastor Cheryl Lindsay wrote about this, scars signal healing and repair. An initial reading of this passage seems to emphasize the scars as identifiers to confirm the news of Christ's victory over death, Bruner's reality slash truth. But they point beyond that to indicators of new life. Indicators of new life. Peace in place of the sufferings or anxiety or not peace that we may be in. Something else in our story, which very much can aid the believing, receiving, and experiencing of this peace, which passes understanding, is this. When it was evening on that day, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Both times, and we know there are three, each week, Jesus pronounces shalom, the disciples are gathered together. In neither case were all the disciples 100% full of faith at the outset. Jesus still came, as we know, for the second time to address Thomas's honest and sometimes honored doubt. But they were together when Jesus appeared. You've heard before probably that this is an easy text for ministers to urge regular worship attendance. Look what happened when people were together, but Thomas missed it. Don't be like Thomas. Show up regularly because if you don't come, you never know what you're gonna miss. It could be something huge. Yes, that message will certainly pack them in during COVID. But, but rather, rather than take that, you know, I learned last week that in preparing for this sermon that the sense of the Greek for came and stood among them both weeks means Jesus came and stood right in the middle of them. John seems to say by this way he's phrased it, that right in the middle of them is exactly where Jesus wants to be with his disciples. He's not standing off in a corner or even six feet distant. One gets the impression that John's gospel promises that wherever there is an appreciated and living Christ-centeredness, it will be well with that church. Christ is to be at the center of the worshiping and mission-minded communities of faith something we're not getting to today by the way is Jesus commissioned to the ten and uh, the blowing the Holy Spirit on them one of our relocated members who is still connected to St. Peter's told me that when she was still around here she sometimes would go to the local Unitarian Universalist Church which did great social service work and probably still does but quit going because, quote, there was no Jesus there. Jesus does it for me. Christ at the center, his commissioned outreach through the church, past and present and future, is where you and I often see and receive that peace from the risen, scarred Jesus Christ. He stands right in the middle of, of us in faithful community and in service. I suggest that if this is Jesus' preference, you and I are more likely than not to receive this gift of peace there. The peace that can only come from this crucified, scarred, and resurrected grace of God in Jesus moves well when we have a midst he can come to. Unfortunately, COVID has limited that severely. But think of what comes after. And I will not and cannot say that Christ's peace only comes when we are gathered or in mission. My personal experiences of receiving Christ's peace were not usually during worship, but when I was alone. So this is not a rule. It might be more of a prevailing preference for Christ, who here showed up right in the middle of them and, gruesomely scarred, brought peace." There are so many ways to be longing for peace, waiting, waiting to be vaccinated, getting the vaccine, first dose or both, but still having to wait. The Chauvin trial is not a peace-bringing story. The recent spate of shootings finds us wanting peace. The long haul, wearing down of mental health during this pandemic is ready for peace. Those grieving over the 560,000 deaths related to COVID yearn for peace. Getting bad health news, a distressing diagnosis, triggers or adds on to a need for peace. Those who cry, no justice, no peace, work for justice, so peace can, one hope, come. It is not just a personal peace from Jesus that so many of us want. It is also a societal peace, a peace not just within us, but somehow around us. For that to be received, we who seek to receive his peace, like the disciples like Bruner said, need and value truth, reality. For some societal piece, understanding alternative histories, realizing that some generations in our land are taught and experience one story while other generations did and do experience a violent underside to that story. Sometimes, whether it is personal or more likely societal, when we need to claim hard truths to catch Christ's peace, Jack Nicholson's bark of, you can't handle the truth, cuts close. Let me close by bringing us back to what Pastor Lindsay wrote, but going back a bit earlier. She wrote, resurrection involves transformation, even for the Christ, but that resurrected body Maintained the marks of what Jesus had been subjected to and endured. His body was scarred. Even that proclaims good news. Scars signal healing and repair. An initial reading of this text seems to emphasize the scars as identifiers to confirm the news of Christ's victory over death, but they point beyond that to indicators of new life and the healing that comes from the peace that this Jesus offers. The peace of the scarred, risen, living Christ. Be with you amen i hope you found some meaning and uh and maybe even some peace from that message i sure hope so if not perhaps even from the scriptures instead i talked with the lector after the service and she found parts of first john that she read um Very, uh, very uh, important to her, and especially the beginning parts about, you know, the reality that, and the enthusiasm behind, we have seen this, we have touched this, um, as John spoke of Jesus. I do not know what next week will bring, but it will probably bring something about the significance of the resurrection of Jesus to our daily lives and to the lives of our churches. That's what I expect. We'll find out together. And thank you for tuning in, and I hope you will listen next time you get a chance. God bless your week. Bye.